Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. You're listening to Talk with Renee Dallow, episode number 121. Talk about connecting with clients with Jeremy Slagle. Jeremy Slagle is an award-winning graphic designer with over 25 years of experience. He is an all-around creative wonder kid, a Kickstarter aficionado, and he is the principal of Slagle Design. He has been the main speaker at dozens of creative educational workshops. Jeremy's success as, as a design entrepreneur has led him to turn his knowledge into tangible guidance and advice on how to turn a side hustle into a dream job. Today, Jeremy is here with us to talk all about connecting with clients, how to curate and connect with your ideal client base so that they resonate with your approach and more importantly, with your goals. And now that we are in the beginning of 2022, we are in the middle of booking season. There has never been a better time to talk more about connecting with clients. So friends, grab your coffee, grab your tea, and let's talk it out. Welcome to Talk with Renee Dallow, this chat for wedding pros and creatives. Tune in every week for no BS real talk from industry experts that want to help you thrive in your business and your life. Here's your host, event planner, educator, and sushi addict, Renee Dallow. Grab a glass and get ready to talk it out. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Talk with Renee Dallow. It's your girl, Renee Dallow. That's what happens when you name it after yourself. You have to show up every single week. <laughs> and you know that I love to talk. So I'm here this week with the lovely Jeremy Slagle. Jeremy, how are you today? I'm great. I, uh, I also am... Uh, work for myself, which has the name Slagle in it. So I have to show up every day too. So I totally get it. It's the, it's the built-in accountability of it, right? It's like, you can't right. take a week off from a show that's called talk with Renee Dallow. It's not like you're going to tune in and go like, who are we talking with today? It's like, well, <laughs> it's me, obviously. Um, and good thing. Good thing we did that for ourselves, right? That's right. When you started your business, did you, uh, did you think it would be self-named? <laughs> I didn't set out to start my own business. So it was one of those, I had to make a decision over a weekend kind of thing. So <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah. I nice. wish I could say a lot more thought went into it than that. But uh, I was kind of working with, uh, with another agency at the time. And I was kind of had, my name was known in our area, uh, mm -hmm. out, even outside the agency. So I thought I've got some equity there. So I might as well hold on to it. And my name isn't like Smith or Jones. So right. it's, a little easier to Google and, and, uh, you know, cut through, cut through some of that. So I just decided it makes sense. Slagle is also really fun to say. Thank you. It actually comes from the German word, uh, Schlegel, which means hammer. Oh, yeah. well, before we recorded dear listeners, when I was checking with Jeremy that I was saying his name, right. He said Slagle like bagel, which really warmed my New Yorker heart. Cause I miss bagels like a lot. <laughs> I heard that a lot growing up in elementary school. Slagle oh, bagel. Yeah. Slagle bagel. Probably like more like a taunt, right? And yes. I, I think of it as like, it's very dreamy for me. I'm like, mm, carbs, mm, right? That's yes. what we're doing. Everything. Well, all the carbs, right? Yes. I'm, in, I'm in Los Angeles now. You can't, they say that we have good bagel. There are bagel stores here who are trying to convince me that it is a New York bagel. And it's, it's not fine, but it's no, no nope. way. You're no. right. It's not, it's not, not a thing, but I, you know, I'm going to go back to New York at some point 
uh, in 2022, and then I will eat all the bagels and promptly gain 20 pounds, and it'll be fantastic. Just ship me a few <laughs> while you're at it. I will. I'll ship them right to Ohio. It'll be great. So, okay, we are talking today, because you are a designer, we are talking about so many things about connecting and curating with your client base, because it's a new year, you guys, and if you are still bemoaning the state of the clients you have, we've got to shake it up, and we've also got to remind you of some things that have been true for most creative entrepreneurs, I think, Jeremy, right, since day one, or did it take you a while to learn this stuff, or did you walk into your business being like, I've got it? Oh, gosh, no. I don't walk into any day like I've got it. So <laughs> it's a constant it's a constant learning process for me. And I'm happy to share the the things that have uh, helped me get here that that have, I've had the, the trials and tribulations and the successes. And for me, it's kind of like I'm I'm dumb enough to kind of like look at what doesn't work and not do that again sort of thing. Yes. So. Do you feel like some of those lessons have to repeat before you learn them? Because that's how I feel. Yeah, I think the lesson I had to learn to repeat more than once was don't work on a project unless you have a signed contract. And that was yeah. one of those like, oh, I don't need it. They seem totally legit. Uh, and then you're just like, nope, nope, I needed it. I needed it. And uh, or, or even uh, any time that you are going to work on a project and you have a tried and true method for how you go about it. But for some reason, the client wants to circumvent it or, or do it a different way. And you're like, I'll do it just this once. Uh, that that's another one of those I've learned the hard way. Like, no, nope, they're probably not a good client for you if they want to circumvent the process. Oh gosh, it's like you're in my brain. Yeah, I've uh, very recently had an experience like that where even just like they didn't want to fill out the contact form. I kept send like <laughs> they just kept texting me, and I was like, "Who are you, strange person? Why texting me is inappropriate." First of all, how did you get this number? Second of all, like what is happening? Fill out this form, and um, yeah. you know, it didn't work. It didn't work out. No, yeah. no surprise to anyone. But right, yeah. Well, since you are a designer and that is such a visual medium, I want you to talk a little bit about you get the kind of work that you show because most of my listeners are wedding pros or creatives. And I find that this is a lesson that I had to learn over and over. And it really needs to be hammered home, especially at the beginning of the year when I think we're all sort of refreshing our websites and our Instagram. Like, how did that reveal itself to you? Yeah, it's funny. I actually started out uh, at one point doing wedding photography myself. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. And I shortly, I stopped shortly thereafter. I did it for a few years, but we had kids and I wanted to be home on the weekends and, uh, and I had too many bridezillas and I was like, I, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I have stories to tell. They're probably not as good as yours, but I've got stories to tell. But, um, for me, it, it really came down to, again, like seeing what works well and seeing what doesn't work well, uh, seeing the kinds of work that people call call you back to do because they see it in your portfolio, for instance. Yeah. Um, and to a certain extent, what you end up doing sort of starts to curate itself. Other people will oftentimes take notice of what you do that's unique and different before you will. Uh, and so I, I'm one of those people who would probably consider himself a generalist. Uh, I love to do graphic design, but I'm also an illustrator and I'm also a photographer. Some people in my field think that's a huge no-no. You should, you should pick the thing you're really good at. Uh, I think I'd go out of my mind if I did one of those things all the time. So <laughs> yeah. I love that. And I'll tell you what, it really saved my bacon over the pandemic. Sure. Cause you were able to diversify. Right. Exactly. So, uh, when the pandemic hit, you know, I'm, I probably don't have to explain this to any photographers that are listening, but in-person photo shoots with having everyone having to wear masks and socially distance made things pretty difficult. So 
uh, people switched to doing a lot of illustration work over the last year. So, you know, you don't have to put a mask on, on illustrated people in the same room. So I did, I started picking up a ton of illustration work last year, which has always been a small fraction of what I did, but that made my year over the pandemic. So yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like, I I will say that, that the, the reason I was able to do those jobs though, for the illustration work is because my main focus is in brand identity and the people that I worked with, one of them uh, that, that I did a lot of work with was Miracle Grow and Scott's and some of their other subsidiary brands. And the reason they liked working with me is because I had a good grasp of how to create illustrations within the context of a brand. Right. So, so that, that was super helpful, but yeah, I think yeah. I just went off on a huge tangent. So I have no idea I if I answered that. your question. We're all about tangents here, Jeremy. Bring all okay. the tangents to me. You said Scots, and I immediately thought of the tissue paper shortage. And then I was like, how did you <laughs> Wrong Scots. Wrong Scots. Got, yeah. got it. Scots, got it. <laughs> uh, the lawn care product. So Scots oh. does all of the, uh, the you, you can buy all of their grass seeds and all of that stuff. So see now i've always lived in major cities so grassy not really my thing but that's why i went to toilet paper instead no i love the idea of uh well just the necessity of us all having to pivot right and and there is something to be said i know we've oh god it's so interesting right because for years in business education we've all been yelling niche 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 and then something like the pandemic happens where you're like oh shit, i niche too much right (laughs) right and it's interesting too listening to you just as a wedding planner you know knowing that over the 13 years of my business i've had to not reinvent in a in a like a burn it down and start over kind of way but you know when i started i was doing more budget weddings and diy stuff and not a lot of cohesive design and kind of piecing it together and when i showed that i got more of that right and so Mm -hmm. I really had to make a decision in like year four or three or four to really invest my money and my time into creating, you know, visuals like a styled shoot visual that that elevated my brand. Otherwise, I was going to be stuck doing, you know, mason jar burlap DIY weddings for the rest of my career or so I thought back then. And now at the point that I am now, you know, I feel like my my company does read like estate weddings really well where we build out something from scratch but we also love doing weddings that like kind of logistically complicated venues like a museum or you know something that isn't just like a ballroom where we show up and you know put down put down tables and so i would never want to take away one of those things right i i think like the commonality in that you can always find a commonality in that i guess is what i mean like when you said you're more of a generalist with the illustration photo and graphics i was like actually that makes you sound like a fucking badass because like generalist my ass like you're yes like there's such a wealth of talent there right so maybe the maybe the new message is not niching down it's just get really good at all the things you're good at and show more of the the stuff you want to get even better at yeah, I think there's. It's still important, though, and I, I meet with a lot of other uh, like students that are coming out of college and and looking for their first jobs. I think it's important for people to understand what your primary function is, though. So yes, yes. Um, for me, it's brand identity. Yeah. Uh, and so when it comes to illustration, most of the illustrations that I work on are I created the brand and logo identity for a snack company that makes puff cheese doodles and now i'm illustrating all the ingredients that are going the packaging or i'm taking photos uh, you know of the puff cheese doodles for their website so a lot of it uh, i very rarely get hired to do you know illustration just for illustration sake or photography just for photography sake it's almost always within the context of a project i'm working on one of my other um 
a couple of my clients are actually um, national conferences. And so, you know, I'll design everything for their conference down to the name badges, to the wayfinding signage and everything. And then they'll fly me out to the city where the conference is. And then I'm the photographer for the, for the week. And so I'll, you know, have all my gear with me taking pictures. Um, and they love that. They love that, you know, they don't have to worry about connecting me with the photographer and make sure I get the files or make sure that I'm working with them to get the type of photos we're looking for, for next year's conferences promotional. Right. So that's those, phenomenal. Yeah. So that's kind of where I, where most of my photography and illustration come into play. So because you offer uh, these, this variety of services, but under the same, you know, idea of the brand identity, how do you know when you have met a company or a client that's a good fit? For me, it's anybody that wants to go through the process of doing something truly unique uh, for their business. And honestly, a lot of times it's my price that weeds them out um, yeah. because oftentimes people will contact me after they've already gone through Fiverr or after they've already gone through, <laughs> you know, right. you know, an, any one of other, you know, of those out there that are basically pushing everything through some sort of a web platform where you've got people bidding from all over the world to try to put a logo together. And, right. and they've come to a, their own conclusion that it just doesn't work very well. Um, oftentimes I work with people who went the Fiverr route and the product that they're selling is so good that it didn't matter how bad their logo was that, that it has basically put them in a position where they can now quit their full-time job and now go full-time with this thing that they love. And they realized all along, like the Fiverr logo got me to this point, but yeah. I'm ready now to do something truly unique that helps me really truly identify and tell my story. And, and I'll be completely honest and say, you won't hear a lot of designers say this, but I think oftentimes it takes people getting to that place to really know what their unique story is so they can actually tell that unique story through their branding. So if I have somebody come to my office and they're like, I'm thinking about quitting my job because everyone in my family tells me I make the best cupcakes in the world. You know, my, my questions are going to be something along the lines of, well, what makes your cupcakes so good? You know, what makes them unique? What makes them different? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Jenny Britton. She owns a, a ice cream shop called Jenny's Ice Creams. Oh, yeah. Okay. So she's based here in Columbus and we did her branding uh, through our, the agency that my, my buddy and I had co-founded years ago. And so Je if you've been to Jenny's, you've seen some logo work that we've done uh, mm -hmm. through, through that agency. But what put Jenny on the map was she was the, really one of the first people to come up with salted caramel as a flavor. That's right. And, um, and, and it wasn't until that point that her business just really took off. And so then it was like, well, what if we add, you know, red pepper flakes to some peanut butter and call it Thai chili? And mm -hmm. so, you know, it really take, and she had like five bad logos before she ever worked with us. <laughs> so. Well, what's yeah. powerful is that you said Jenny's and I immediately saw the branding. Like I know exactly what that looks right. like. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so that was, that, that's a, a, something I tell people a lot of times, like you may have a great cupcake, but you need to come to the point where you create something that really differentiates you because I can get a great cupcake at like a dozen different places in Columbus. Right. So I need you to be able to tell me why does Columbus, Ohio, or insert whatever city that is, why do they need you? Why does that area need your cupcake? And I think oftentimes for entrepreneurs, especially brand new ones, it's hard. They can't answer that question yet. Right. Right. So yeah. I, I, I'll be honest. I'll tell people sometimes like go to Google fonts, find a typeface that you like 
you know, if your company's going to be kind of whimsical and fun, find some fonts that are whimsical and fun. If you're looking for something that's really, you know, really more modern or whatever, um, find something you like, type your name out. That's your logo for right now and roll with it until you get to a point where you're like, okay, I now know what makes me tick. I now have a unique story to be able to tell. Um, and then call me and we'll work together. And so yeah. I, I'll, I'll often, as crazy as it sounds, I'll literally tell people, go away and come back later. You know? <laughs> well, and, that's but because I'll, you know what you're, you know, what lights you up and what makes you, what makes people want to work with you is that, it's that honesty, I believe. Well, and the other thing is, is that I can see it on their faces. Um, oftentimes the people that are coming in to talk with me have just basically spent their life savings, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. they're, and they're, they're like, well, I know I have to have a logo and it's like, you do, you know, or, or, you know, I need to create a brand, uh, a brand. And it's like, this isn't to say that sometimes people don't come in and don't have an awesome story to tell. Sometimes they do, but I would say more often than not, um, what they really need is to go work at a farmer's market with their product for a year or two. And that is where you find out that that is where you actually are taste testing stuff with people. You have, you know, return customers coming back every Saturday and now they're ordering two dozen of those things that you sold them one of last year or last week. And then you can start asking them questions like, why are you buying this? What, 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 what makes it so great? Um, and oftentimes there are the people that are telling you, you know, you got to try this. You, know, you got to try, you know, this is amazing, but have you thought about this? Yeah. And, and so a hundred percent of the food companies I've worked with that have started in a farmer's market have succeeded and a hundred percent of the brands that just thought they were going to kind of go in on their own because their family said they make the best fill in the blank. Uh, it has, they, they have failed in the first year. So interesting and not yeah. surprising. I think the, I think the business owners that are willing to, um, get honest feedback, even though it might not always be the thing you think you want to hear, right. um, ultimately is the thing that you need to hear because that's how we get better as business people. Yep. That's right. I want to talk about money because you did, you did throw out there that sometimes your, your fee is what turn, you know, is what sends people away from you. But, um, how soon in the process do you talk about money? Because as a wedding planner, I don't talk about money until until after I've spoken to a client and understand what they want. Like I'm not yes. throwing my prices out into the world. I agree 100% because, you know, if I'm going to do a project for the Ohio State University that's right down the street from me, or I'm going to do something for that person that's opening a new cupcake restaurant, my prices are going to be very different. Yeah. So I need to know a lot more information. You know, part of it is just the bureaucracy and the politics and the the hours of time it's going to take for me to go through and you know when i've got one person who owns you know a little shop and they're they're the person i've got to make happy then that's one thing but if i have to go through a board of trustees and you know five different layers of something you it's going to cost more because it's going to take a lot more time and obviously you know you've heard the terminology you, you, the more cooks in the kitchen it just always is a bigger project aside from the fact that you know, when you work with a bigger company like that, they're going to make millions and millions of dollars just <laughs> off being able to sell the license of that logo uh, versus, you know, someone who's trying to just make stickers for their to-go bags. Right. So. Well, that leads me to the next thing I want to talk to you about, because I, I think this is a game changer for the wedding industry as well, if they could incorporate this some, some of this language. So you have on your website, I don't know, is this something that appears or you have to send it to your people? The stakeholders um, page. Yeah, so the stakeholders page is totally hidden. Uh, it ah. is something that is is actually a link in my online contract. 
and it's something that they fill out when they it's it's something that I bring to their attention before they fill out the proposal like you're going to have to give me this information but it's often something I have to follow up later and say hey you forgot to fill this out so but, this is so important I think for wedding pros and creatives to hear because what Jeremy is saying in this document I'm just going to read part of it it's it's it says stakeholder information the review and input of a narrow group of stakeholders is essential to assure a focused and clear design and then it asks the client to provide the names and titles of anyone who will be contributing or critiquing the design. And then it also has a disclaimer that says, if in the process of creating the brand, others are added as stakeholders or decision makers, that you know Jeremy may have to restart the creative process or it may lead to additional concepts or extend the scope of the project. And I'll tell you, Jeremy, as a, I mean, you know this as a wedding photographer, probably but as a wedding planner, you know, I always ask in my consults, like who who is making the decisions here? Who is mm -hmm. who's contributing to the budget? Is your mom involved? I need to talk to her. Right. What ends up happening, and it happened to me a lot when I was a baby wedding planner, is that like by the third phase of planning, like two months before the wedding, suddenly mother of the groom is like, "Well, wait a minute, I don't like that color at all," and you're like, "Oh, are we really going to do this now?" Yeah. And you can save so much heartache by just having something like this, like tell me who this who the decision makers are, and like. And I even ask, like, to what extent do they need to be involved? <laughs> right. Right. Just because they're giving you money for your budget, does that mean mom gets a say in the flowers? You know what I mean? Like, tell me right. what's happening here. And do you ever get pushback from your clients about this? No, never. I I think it just makes it just seems to make sense. I mean, yeah. uh, if it, the only time I've ever had a question about it, um, I basically say, you know, it's kind of like hiring somebody to come in and like redo the wood floor in your house. Like let's say a, a husband's away on a business trip. The wife says hires a carpenter to come in and tear out and redo all the hardwood floor in your house. And you go in, you do the job, you know, they, she picks the, the dark mahogany stain. You do the whole thing. Husband comes back from business trip, sees the floor and says, I hate the color. This is not what I wanted at all. Um, and, and, and you get a call from him and you say, I'd be more than happy to come back in, tear out all the floors or, or sand them all back down again and make them whatever color you want. But here's what it's going to cost to do that. Right. It's, it would be unreasonable for somebody to expect the person who was hired to do the floors after getting approval on what color they were going to end up being to expect someone to come back in and redo the whole project for free. And yes. so that's just usually how I share that information with people. Um, is to say, you know, I just need to make sure everybody that's going to be able to make a decision or derail or change. Um, and that it really comes into play a lot of times with businesses where I've been stuck in the middle of a project where the communications or marketing director that you've been working with as your major, your main, you know, point on the project, all of a sudden gives their two week notice and they're gone and they've Ooh. hired someone else. And I'm like, okay, well, as long as you're cool with where we're moving in and you can sign off on this direction, we're good. But if you're going to come in and say, no, 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 we're changing everything about this company, that's fine. I'll send you an invoice for the work that's been done so far, and then we'll start the project again. I mean, it's very clear cut. I love it. I think a lot of, uh, especially wedding designers get, get caught, you know, with that, they have that feeling of like, well, I don't know if I can, I can't really invoice them for this because it's not in my contract. But if you added something like this, you guys. Yep then you're covered and you're covered in a way that's really graceful. I think that's like, it's common sense. If you make me, if you make me rip out this floor and do it over, someone's right. got to pay for that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. So I imagine many, well, I guess I imagine most people that come to you actually don't know much about design. And so you have to do a fair amount of education. Do you do that before in like the, in the inquiry process or how do you, 
educate them through in order to book? Sure. Uh, well, the first thing I do, and I mentioned earlier when it comes to fees and stuff like that, I, I used to, my phone used to just ring off the hook or emails would come in, uh, basically just, you know, asking me about logos and expecting them to be Fiverr prices. You know, is this going to be 50 bucks? Is this going to be $400, whatever. So the first thing I do is I, and, and this is one of those things that when I first did it, I did a gut check, like, can I really do this? Uh, but when you go to my website and you click the let's work together link, which you talked about filling out forms. That is the very first form I have everybody fill out. I won't even schedule a meeting with you or talk with you unless you fill that form out. So, yeah. so I'll, I'll have them fill that out first. And the first one of the things they have to do is choose a price range. The lowest is $2,500. Um, now, most of the stuff I do is in the 10, 10 to $15,000 range. But I know that if somebody's willing to check a box that says $2,500 to $5,000, I can usually get them there. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, but if anybody turns up their nose at 2,500 bucks, there's just no opportunity for us to work together. So that's kind of the first thing that I do. And then I have Zapier set up so that it automatically takes all their contact information, puts it into my proposal software, um, puts it into all of my, um, invoicing software. It just kind of starts talking to everything that I have. And it actually generates an email back to them that says, hey, let's schedule a time to meet. And it sends them a meeting link so they can schedule a, a voice call to talk with me on Google. Uh, and it sends them a Google Meet link. Then they can look at my schedule, pick a time. So it automates a whole lot once someone's willing to pass that threshold. I love that. Um, yeah. So then, then I have an initial meeting and kind of get to know them, find out whether or not I'm a good a good fit for their project or you know, give them an opportunity to find out if I'm a good fit for their project. Uh, I will send them a proposal uh, that's based on, you know, kind of where they are, uh, what the scope of the project is. And I have that all set up and automated as well. And uh, then they basically will go back and forth a little bit if they want to add a little bit or scale it back. That's totally fine. Break it into phases. Um, and then we get we get started. I think there's a lot of comfort. I think our clients get a lot of comfort when they know that they are you know, you have so many automations in place. And I think that that as, as someone who's been on the other side of it, like I find that very comforting, like, oh, this business knows how to take care of me, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting a, a very immediate reply. All of my information is filled in. Like I had an experience a couple of months ago where I was, I was trying to hire someone for something. It's not really, doesn't really matter what it is, but every, I sent an email that was pretty specific about like, I need this on this date for this thing. And they said, wrote back like, sure, we're available. What is it that you need? And I'm like, read the email, right? right? Like, I think that that those are all little ways we can erode confidence and and you know trust that we're trying to build during the sales process. Yeah. Um, I love that you have the drop down budget. I used to have that on my wedding planning website, and then I switched to a different website platform that doesn't support it, and I miss it because I can absolutely see the difference between. I used to have my minimum budget, like it says, like what is your wedding budget, and it used to be sixty thousand. Um, and people would would select 60 and then write to me like, we really only have 20, but I'm sure that's below your rate. And I'm like, it is. And it was easier to have that conversation and right. educate. Now I don't have anything. It's just an open field. And I get people, you know, writing to me with ridiculously low budgets. But what they describe that they want is so far above the budget that I'll I will do a call with them to be like, hi. Right let me educate you on the things you're like the wedding you described is actually a $125,000 wedding. Right. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And I love those opportunities me to too. educate. Um, I don't ever want to be like, Oh, you're too broke for me. Right. That's not the energy. Absolutely. But having the drop down really helps that conversation. It takes it to another place before you even get on the call, right. which I really like. 
I yeah. really like that. And I'm, I am, you know, if I get on with somebody and they tell, I've had that happen before where they're like, I don't know, I didn't, you know, I've, I've really only got 500 bucks, but I filled out the lowest thing. I figured <laughs> right. if we got on a call, we could talk. I, I'll spend a half hour, 45 minutes on a phone call with someone and explain to them why yeah. I can't compete with Fiverr. And it's fine. I'm, I'm not offended by it. It doesn't bother me that much. It's just, yeah. you know, it, what it has done is help me weed out being on the phone 40 hours a week with every inquiry. Yeah. So oh, 100%. And I think too, like, uh, I've had that experience as well, where like someone clearly has a DIY budget and that's not what I do, but I'm able to say like, Hey, you can pick my brain for 30 minutes. Like I'll give you that for free. And then maybe, maybe I get to say like, Hey, there's this new wedding planner planner in town who I think is better suited for your needs. Let me connect mm -hmm. you. Um, because I think ultimately when we're, when we're kind to people, whether or not there are clients, um, we treat them well, then, you know, they're out in the world going like, Hey, I didn't get to work with her, but that Renee, she's, yep. she's, she's friendly, right? hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yep. I'll I've, I've often, uh, yep. Recommended people to other, to other folks, even if it's just because they need something done quicker than I have the bandwidth for, but yeah, I, I think that's just being a good, a good partner and a kind person and loving people is, is, you know, I, I can't help you out with that, but let me maybe help you help put you in the right direction for someone who can. So. I love that. I want to touch on something that uh, you said before we got on. I just want to, I want to know more of what you mean by it. You said that you are a designer, not an artist. What does that mean to you? Um, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of designers uh, act like artists. And to me, <laughs> the difference is that an artist is somebody who, you know, they paint or they create or they make something that is like an expression of themselves, right? It's something that they're like, I just want to make beauty and I want to make, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I love going to a uh, seeing good art as much as anybody else does. But, you know, an artist basically put something up in a gallery, uh, they invite people to come in and they hope that somebody's going to see their work and buy it. But that's not how designers work. That would be like you uh, planning a wedding and saying, this is the wedding I always wanted to plan and, and the beauty of it. And then having the bride and you know, uh, the, the groom and everybody show up and be like, this is nothing like what we wanted. <laughs> right. Right. So, right. An, you know, an, a fine artist can, can do what they want and hope that it connects with somebody, but as designers and wedding planners and wedding photographers, it's our job to deliver what's best for the person and what their vision for what the day is or what their vision for what their business or, or, you know, restaurant or insert you know, business name here yeah. is. And that's, that is how we love people through what we do. That's something I talk with a lot of people about is loving people through our work and, um, and people want to be heard, you know, they want to know that, you know, if I'm spending my entire life savings on this, that you're going to treat me in a way that is respectful of me and my dreams and my vision for what, for what I want to do with my business. So that's, that's the difference. It's not about me, you know, doing something that I like. It's about doing something that's best for the client. I love that. I've never heard anyone articulate it quite that way, but I, I thank you for sharing that with us because I do know, you know, I know in the wedding industry, there are some planners and designers who do things, you know, in their own style and, and they, they get hired for that style. Of course, right, like I'm thinking, sure. you know, like Preston Bailey specifically, like he's a brilliant floral designer, but when you look at something, you can go, well, that's, that's Preston, mm -hmm. right? Like you, I know immediately if it's him now over, over a year, he's an icon in our industry. So of course people are going to him for that look, but for the rest of us who are just, you know, who are working with, you know, the average couple, I agree. Like I, I would, people always ask like, what's the Moxie Bright style? And I'm like, whatever they want it to be, except the one thing I will say, like the commonality I will say is that like, 
I think the energy of our events is very, um, I call it like easily elegant, right? Like it's all very elegant and classy and expensive, but we're not trying too hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's the only vibe I, I, I ever really point to. But as far as like, no, I couldn't possibly use purple because I hate purple. It's like, that's right. not really, the, that's not the job. Right. Exactly. I, I think of um, illustrators like Gary Baseman. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Baseman's work. I don't um, think so. But if you, if you did a quick Google, you'd find it. But um, he's, he is definitely a, an amazing fine artist who's made a lot of, uh, made a lot of work that's been very, very successful over the years. But then, you know, he gets hired by Cranium to do their board games, right? And, oh, and so fun. people hire Gary Baseman because they're like his look and style and his characters and the way that he does his illustrations are a perfect fit for the whimsy and kind of the fun style of the Cranium brand. And so that's a, a little bit of a different story, right? So you're hiring someone, it'd be like hiring Andy Warhol to do a board game, right? You know right. what that would look like. Exactly. Right? It would and be so, awesome, but yes. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, to a certain extent, every designer has their own sort of vibe and feel. And that's the other reason that I'm always trying to find out, am I the right person for a project? Because if somebody says, I really want to hire you to do a children's book, but I want it to look like this, and the stuff that they're sending me in their mood boards or off Pinterest is like highly illustrated, oil painted, you know, I'm just going to tell them up front, I am not the right person for this job. Yeah. But if, if you go through my illustrations and you say, I, I like kind of the graphic style, the limited color palette, I like kind of that style, then let's talk and I can work with you on it. But um, yeah, so I think there's just, a, you know, just a, a weeding process. It's an opportunity to kind of educate somebody and, and, uh, and be kind. And, and like you said, most of the people that contact me have never done this before. So I yeah. can't assume anything. Yeah. And, and we're also in the same boat here in the wedding industry. I mean, for the vast majority of people we talk to, they have no idea, no idea about anything about weddings. Well, how, um, how often do you get married? Hopefully not too often, right? I mean, I've had a couple of clients who are, who are on their second wedding, but um, in my own personal experience, like lived experience with my clients, they might've had a first wedding that didn't meet their expectations or was right. very small. It, it's not like we're doing this blowout wedding twice right? in my, in my experience. Right. So right. We always have to keep that in mind. I'm I'm curious because this episode is going to go out um, in the beginning of 2022. If there's anything you're working on in your business in the new year, do you make any business resolutions? Do you any of these things that you're like, oh, I really should be focusing more on this right now? Um, I I kind of do that. I try not to think too hard about that throughout the year, but it is something I do every January. Is I kind of yeah. look at what what pain points I have. Yeah. Um. I one of the things I noticed that I spent an inordinate amount of time doing was sending the same email. This is something I fixed a couple of <laughs> years ago. Yes. Um, you know, it's the student internship. I'm from the local art college and I need to find someone to, to work with. Well, I, I work from home. It's basically just me. I, I, I will meet with client, uh, meet with students and look, do, look at their portfolios whenever they want. But I do not have the capability or the bandwidth to have somebody, you know, shadow me for three months. Right. So, um, so I, I found myself like writing the exact same email that was super kind and helping them understand why I'm like, why do I spend like 20 minutes sending this email every time? So <laughs> I basically started creating like a library of email responses Hell yes. um, and, and I use Apple notes. There's probably a better way to do it, but it, then it syncs across my phone and iPad and laptop and desktop. Um, and so, you know, or like I do a lot of websites through Squarespace, so I have to send somebody instructions on how to go in and set up their, you know, their account on Squarespace. I just copy paste it, change the hello to the client name and send it now. Yep. Canned so, responses, baby, all day. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just little things like that, that you just kind of make, take mental note of, like, what are ways I can stop doing the stuff I hate doing so much and be better for better for my clients? Yeah, I mean, because I think in when you're newer in business or just avoiding doing the little minutia work, which I think like setting up canned responses is kind of minutia work, right? but it gets you back so much time, so oh many gosh. minutes. And over the course of your business, that's a, I mean, that's a huge time savings and you could yeah. be doing anything else at that time. You could be with your kids. You could be coming up with the next million dollar idea. We don't know, but right. yeah, setting up canned responses is so good. And yeah. also if you already have canned responses, uh, go take a look at them friends, because right. if you made them four years ago, I bet they need a little tweaking. Yep. Probably. Now's the time y'all. Yep. And you know, stop making your own invoices in InDesign or whatever, like get get it hooked up with fresh books or bonsai or one of those and start mm -hmm. like tracking your expenses start, it's one of the things that i notice a lot of people do that are in our field at least for the first like three years they're still making pdf invoices <laughs> in indesign and i'm like oh my gosh you have to go back through and add all this up and then you got to figure out all your expenses it's like i know it costs 30 bucks a month for your you know for a quick quickbooks or whatever pay the money it's yeah. so worth it so, you know, you just kind of learn as you go, right? Like you, yes. first you start out super, super frugal, but then you start to realize, man, I, if I would just do this one thing, it would be, it would just change everything. So. Absolutely. The best yeah. day of my business. Well, this is a, this is an overstatement, but my one of my happiest days was when I finally hired a bookkeeping company. Cause I hate mm -hmm. it. I hate it. And yep. I wasn't doing it. I hate it. And I literally, I can, I can admit to you now, I literally wasn't doing it. Months would go by and I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, I got to get into QuickBooks and reconcile it. And then, um, I hired a bookkeeping company, bench bookkeeping, and I love them and I'll pay them whatever. Although if they're That's listening, great. don't raise my rates, please. But still, um, it was an it was a very like benchmark moment for me as a business owner to be like, oh, I can afford this and I don't have to worry about this money every month. And someone else does it and that's all these little things guys it's yep. january jeremy and i are here to t just remind you refresh all these all these you know bullet points for you but then also like fix what's broken now before you get busy again right yep. and and i would say just to go back to what you're saying one of the questions you asked earlier when you want to do the stuff that you if, if there's something that you're like i really want to do this next year put it out there take the take the time to do it yourself you know yes. if, if you've always wanted to illustrate a children's book like find somebody do one just for fun show show that you're capable of doing it like if if you can't expect somebody to to read your mind and and come to you with the thing you've always dreamed of doing you you really do have to kind of put it out there uh, oh. so 100% i'm going to write a book this year well i'm going to i'm starting to write a book that's what i'll say <laughs> See how That's I dialed great. that back? I said yeah. I'm writing it and then I dialed it back. No, I, I've been wanting to write a book for a couple of years and I have been um I've been at a time deficit. You know, there's been a lot of good opportunities and I'm I'm super forever grateful for them, but I haven't haven't had a ton of like free time, you know? Mm. Um so this year is I guess what I want to say is in 2022, I am now making the time to write a book. That's I guess the best way to put it. That sounds great. Thanks. I'm pretty excited about it. Jeremy, cool. you're a delight and I'm so glad that we finally got to do this. Um, yeah. Where can people find you out on the World Wide Web? Um, the best place to start is at my website, which is slegledesign.com. Uh, all of the social media links are there. So if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, it's all there. So I love it. Thank you again for all the insight. I think it's it's such a good light bulb for everyone. It's like, it's 2022, y'all remember all these things? Cause you know, for my industry, this wedding boom, we were, the pandemic was a, a nightmare and it's, I know we're still in a pandemic and then the wedding boom happened and we've all just been a little bit bananas for through quarter four of last year. It was just like, 
a haze that we are all finally coming out of. So now's the time with clear eyes to remind yourself of all these things and refresh. Good advice. Thanks, Jeremy. You too. Well, friends, thanks for spending the time with us. You know, I take that very seriously. I know you can't get back the time you spend here with us. And so I very much value it. We will see you next week. Same time, same place, friends. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Talk with Renee Dallow. Dive into the show notes at reneedallow.com forward slash podcast and connect with Renee at Talk with Renee Dallow on Instagram.